Hi, I'm Adrian Lee, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. There's a debate blowing up right now about inflation. Yes, I know, it can be a groaner, both the topic and also the puns. But more and more, people are starting to talk about this economic indicator, as we're seeing prices go up in our supermarkets and elsewhere. On the one side, you have people, especially pundits and columnists, saying that this is a red alert for the economy. Could inflation explode like it did in the 1970s, when the rate hit as high as 14%? And on the other side, you've got people like Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem, saying that the relatively high inflation we're seeing is temporary. But one thing that's not up for debate, the fact that inflation right now is at 4.4%, higher than where the Bank of Canada likes to see that number. But does that mean people should be stockpiling canned foods and buying things up in case things get even worse? I think the fact that we're worried about 4% inflation actually speaks to how well we've controlled inflation over the last 25 years. David Parkinson is the economics columnist for the report on business. He's on the show today to help you make sense of whether we should really be panicking or whether the fears are all inflated. Okay, that's it. No more puns from me, I promise. That's today on The Decibel. Thanks, David, for joining us today. Hey, Adrian. Uh, thanks very much for having me. So, uh, look, I should start with a confession. I may or may not have been bulk buying bags of dried beans just because they won't go bad. And I've been hearing a lot about inflation on the price of things, you know, just looking to make sure my dollar goes as far as possible when I guess it comes to pulses. But, you know, I can't be alone in feeling the pressures of rising prices as a consumer. What have you been hearing about how inflation is affecting Canadians these days? Yeah, I think you're right. And it affects everybody differently, obviously. And I had not loaded up on my pulse crops either. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we experience these things differently. And so for some people, if I am a professional driver and have to move a vehicle across the province several times a week, then it's really going to hit my business because fuel prices have gone through the roof. But not everything has. And I think that's something that we've got to keep in mind is that these pressures are not felt equally by everyone across everything. There are, have been some things that have really seen price spikes, but that's not necessarily an inflation problem. Where are specific examples of places where you've seen inflation affect Canadians these days? There are certain places where it's hard to miss it. There can't be any other product in the world that advertises its prices more than gas stations do. And every time I hit another street corner, I see that it's gone up another 10 cents or another 20 cents. But, you know, anybody who goes grocery shopping, too. I mean, again, it's like, you know, you know what you're buying all the time. You know what milk costs. You know what bread costs. You know what vegetables cost. And then there's the products that you buy infrequently but are hugely expensive. So anybody who wanted to buy a house or anybody who wanted to buy a car knows that the prices of houses and the prices of cars, if you can get one, have gone up. We should back up, actually, and just start with a definition. So explain inflation to me like I'm a kid. Well, it's important to remember that inflation is not prices going up. It's the rate at which prices go up. So you need to think about it not so much as it cost me more to buy an ice cream cone. Rather, it emptied my wallet more quickly to buy all the things I buy in a week. Inflation is really how quickly we go through 
a bunch of money to buy the same basket of goods from week to week. And of course, the inflation rate is really expressed as a, as a one-year rate. So when we, when we actually talk about that inflation rate, we are comparing a basket of consumer goods, of the average set of consumer goods that people buy against what they cost 12 months ago exactly. So when we talk about the inflation rate, that's kind of what we're doing. But the concept of inflation is simply an acceleration of the rate at which prices are going up. Yeah. What is that basket of goods? Has that been the same for, for years now, the same basket of goods? It changes. It's, this, is what we could, this is the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, is the standard measure for inflation. And it is a, a bunch of goods that an average consumer buys. It's adjusted based on regular spending patterns. And Statistics Canada goes and takes a look at that on a, on a periodic basis and does adjust it. So obviously, the cost of paying the monthly fees for a cell phone didn't exist 30 years ago. So things like some of the technology gets added in as we start to change our consuming patterns. The pandemic has thrown those consuming patterns really out of whack. So adjustments have been made, but it's hard to make them really on the fly. So we're kind of guessing a little bit, but it's a reasonable measure of what an average person would buy in an average year. And, and what are the factors that influence inflation to go up or down? Or rather, per your definition, what are the things that make the rate at which prices go up faster or slower? Well, I think, I think what we're experiencing right now is really sort of classic economics 101 on this stuff, because it really boils down to supply and demand. When there are limits on the supplies of goods or the ability for those goods to reach the consumer as there are right now, as we've had some obvious problems in a lot of places in the world in uh, getting things going again as, as their economies reopen. And that doesn't align with very strong demand that we've seen as people have been able to spend their money again and things have opened up and they've, you know, you know that's the misalignment of supply and demand. We've got constraints on supply and lots of demand. It almost feels like though that folks, you know, like you or I are, are just talking about inflation more. I mean, like I said, I admit that I'm now looking at the prices of beans and I, I want to make sure that I, I get my dollar to stretch as far as possible on that. Friends of mine are talking about the prices of things. And does that concern feel earned to you right now? I think it's real. I don't think we want to diminish that it's something that people have become keenly aware of, especially when prices are, are unpredictably high in products that maybe we weren't used to ever seeing price changes for a very long period of time. I think it's being overstated to a certain degree in terms of the level of concern. But I mean, my, my own feeling, and it's sort of, you know, it, it's kind of a rule of thumb that people who have sort of kicked around economics and markets for a, a few years uh, come to realize that when, when everybody starts talking about something, it's a pretty good sign that it's running its course. I literally had the guy cutting my hair the other day asking me about inflation. And I honestly feel as if we've sort of gotten to a, a saturation point on this topic right around the time that, frankly, some, you know, some of the pressures look like they, they could start to come off fairly soon. And why is that? The Bank of Canada and other central banks are now signaling that they are willing to raise interest rates, which is a classic policy remedy for slowing inflation. At the same time, the federal government is also winding down, in fact, last week wound down some of their, uh, the programs that they put in place to help fund individuals and businesses to help them get through the worst of the pandemic. Now, that money that they were injecting into the economy has been a huge boost to demand. With that winding down, we're going to start to see 
that sort of surge in spending power, both with businesses and individuals, ease off. Well, one thing that seems different in looking at that supply and demand calculation is that there are these supply chain problems we're hearing a lot about. How is that affecting the supply side? It is very unusual. And this is one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of economists have said, and it's certainly something that Tiff Macklem, who is the, the governor of the Bank of Canada, he said many times is, is that it turns out it's a lot easier to turn off an economy than to turn it back on again. And when we talk about supply chain problems or supply chain bottlenecks, I mean, it's, it's a bit jargony, but obviously really all we're talking about is that all of the bits and pieces that go into the thing that I want to buy, whether it's a car or a bike or even the groceries in the supermarket, you know, all of those things have to go through a process to actually get on the shelf for you. All of them have parts that need to go into that. And in a lot of cases, they're coming from all around the world. And it's just every one of those steps has been slower than normal to get back online. Is it a long-term problem? It probably isn't. You know, unless we think that the pandemic is a long-term problem, then the supply chain problem is something that will clear up as the pandemic fades. Right. Well, what terms are we talking about? What does short-term look like? What does long-term look like? I think that's part of what's fueling folks' fears, right? We probably are talking about six, probably six to nine months before things kind of adjust themselves back to normal. It is going to take some time, but you know, you can kind of see it as some examples of things that maybe were a little bit ahead of this curve already. I mean, six months ago, we were talking about the cost of lumber and how, you know, it was absolutely crushing uh, the home renovation market, the home construction market. Well, six months later, the price of lumber has fallen dramatically because those su supply issues were able to correct themselves. So, I mean, that's kind of the model that we're looking at, but it just takes time. Certainly by this time next year, I don't even think we'll be talking about it anymore. Can you put a number on exactly what inflation has been like in Canada these days? The big number is the, is the overall consumer price index year over year rate of increase. That's what we refer to as the inflation rate. It's 4.4%. So is 4.4% high? Well, 2% is kind of our normal average long-term inflation rate, has been for a couple of decades now. Mm -hmm. And let's unpack that a bit. I mean, 4% might not seem like a huge number, but certainly wages play into this, right? You know, if I'm getting a raise of 1% or 2% every year, or, you know, frankly, no raise at all, that doesn't cover an inflation rate of 4%, right? So far, the people who monitor uh, wage gains are saying that the wage pressures are actually still pretty mild. Uh, they have been rising, but they're, they're still sort of between 1% and 2%. What you don't want to happen is for people to start expecting 4% inflation, and then they start going to their employers and demanding 4% a year raises in order to cover inflation, and then that starts getting embedded in the entire cost structure. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You do then end up with 4% inflation. Let's go back in time for a moment, and you've hinted at this already. When some Canadians think about inflation, they think back to the 1970s, back when prices ballooned, like the cuffs of, you know, frankly, so many bell-bottom pants. What exactly happened then? Well, it's a very complicated situation. I, mean, I think the biggest trigger was a completely dramatic shift in the cost of energy sources that were still, we were still a much more energy-intensive economy at the time. 
And it combined with irresponsible government spending, we kind of set ourselves into a little bit of spiral that was really kicked off by an extreme increase in energy costs. Mm-hmm. Now, we have just experienced an extreme increase in energy costs. Right. So, so it doesn't surprise me that some people get a, a little nervous about that because, you know, it was a trigger in the past, but we're not as energy intensive as we were, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Um, so uh, yeah. it really doesn't look the same as the 70s. There's almost nothing in this that looks the same as the 70s. Did that in some way fuel the panic today, this ghost of just five decades ago where inflation, you know, really took a chunk out of Canadians? I don't know. Do you think people have memories that long? I really don't. I do, but, you know, I'm old. Um, (laughs) I don't know. To be honest, I think the fact that we're worried about 4% inflation actually speaks to how well we've controlled inflation over the last 25 years. 4% 4% inflation used to be the thing that we would do cartwheels about. We would have been thrilled with 4% inflation if this was the early 80s. So last week, the Bank of Canada indicated that it may raise interest rates as early as the middle quarters of 2022, so maybe April. What's that going to do to inflation? Well, just saying it has an impact. Um, just saying it starts to nudge uh, interest rates in the market upwards. It starts to there starts to be a shift in mentality. So much of controlling inflation in the long term is, and I said it before, it's controlling inflation expectations because it it can become self fulfilling. I mean, mechanically, what happens is you raise interest rates. It increases the cost of borrowing. Fewer people borrow. It slows growth, and that slows price pressures. Demand slows down. It's hard to do anything with policy about supply, but you can slow down demand and give supply a chance to catch up. And that's kind of what what it will do mechanically. And last week, we also got some new GDP numbers that show that the recovery is slowing a little bit in the economy, uh, which grew by 0.4% in August, which is slightly below what was expected. Do these indicators tell us anything about where inflation may be trending? You know, it's still growth and it's still pretty healthy growth, but it's slower than people had anticipated. We've had a very, very rapid recovery. And now what we are seeing is, in fact, some of those supply problems that have been pushing inflation are also slowing down consumption, mainly because if I can't buy something, I can't buy it. And that's sort of what's starting to happen now is that we're seeing household consumption exports easing off a little bit because stuff just can't move as fast as we want it to. So prices going up is normal, maybe even good. And restarting an economy is hard and is going to be awkward. Uh, But what really is abnormal here is, you know, hopefully a once in a lifetime global pandemic, in particular with supply, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing that we got to keep in mind is we've never done this before. You know, we knew it was going to be complicated and we knew that there were going to be hiccups coming out of it. And of course, the longer the pandemic lasts, the more complicated it is to get things back to normal. So if you want to know sort of what's the quick solution to this or what's the best route to solve this, let's get the world vaccinated. The quicker we get that done, the quicker these pressures can come off and business can go back to something approaching normal. These are the kinds of strains we're going to see when we try to throw the switch back on on a global economy that's really never been turned off like this before. But the quicker we can actually get the bits and pieces back into place, and that means vaccinations and getting the pandemic behind us, the quicker we can see these pressures come off. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. All right, take care. That's it for today. I'm Adrian Lee. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. 
Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer. Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks to David Parkinson. You can find him on Twitter at Parkinson Globe. Email us at thedecibel at globeandmail.com. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Adrian K. Lee. If you haven't already, hit that follow button wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.